Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy.
And now it's time for our reading in the New Testament. And our narrative will come from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 10 through 27. All right, here is uh, what's going on here in Scripture today. Based on Malachi chapter 4, the teachers of the Old Testament law believed that Elijah must appear before the Messiah would appear. Jesus referred to John the Baptist, not to the Old Testament prophet Elijah. John the Baptist took on Elijah's prophetic role, boldly confronting sin and pointing people to God. Malachi had prophesied that a prophet like Elijah would come. The disciples had been given the authority to do the healing, but they had not yet learned how to appropriate the power of God. Jesus' frustration is uh, with the unbelieving and unresponsive generation. His disciples were merely a reflection of that attitude in this instance. Jesus' purpose was not to criticize the disciples, but to encourage them to greater faith. Now the disciples had been unable to cast out this demon, as we'll read about here in Scripture today. And they asked Jesus why. You know, when you ask him why, he's going to tell you. He said their faith was too small. It is the power of God plus our faith that moves mountains. The mustard seed was the smallest particle imaginable. Jesus said that even faith as small or underdeveloped as a mustard seed would have been sufficient. Well, perhaps the disciples had tried to cast out the demon with their own ability rather than God's. There is great potential and even a little faith when we trust in God's power to act. If we feel weak or powerless as Christians, we should examine our faith, making sure we're trusting God's power, not our own, to produce the results that we're looking for. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. January 26th, the New Testament. Matthew chapter 17, verses 10 through 27. Then his disciples asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and he wasn't recognized, and they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment the boy was well. Afterward the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. After they gathered again in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples were filled with grief. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, 
Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they've conquered? They tax the people they've conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Psalm 22, verses 1 through 18. We'll see here in Scripture that David gave an amazingly accurate description of the suffering the Messiah would endure hundreds of years later. David was obviously enduring some great trial, but through his suffering he, like the Messiah to come, gained victory. Jesus the Messiah quoted this verse while hanging on the cross, carrying our burden of sin. It was not a cry of doubt, but an urgent appeal to God. Psalm 22, verses 1 through 18. For the choir director, a psalm of David to be sung to the tune, Doe of the Dawn. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb, and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 7 through 14. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth, and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, 
How I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin. And now, I must face public disgrace. Hello, everyone. This is John Neely. I just want to lift up Pastor Mike and the coordinators in Phase 1 for pointing out things in my life that I'm going to continue to work on and grow uh, with the refuge. Thank you. Hello, my name is Ray Straveris. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Well, a little bit about my past. I was uh, grew up pretty decent family, but uh, dad wasn't there a lot. He was providing. My mom drank quite a bit. I have an older sister, Angie, and a younger sister, Gina. We were kind of on our own quite a bit. Got into uh, drugs when I was 14, and uh, things kind of snowballed from there when I lost my mom at 17. Uh, moved out at 18, went on my own, did good, but followed it up with uh, worse drugs and things, and uh, got locked up quite a bit. Uh, hit rock bottom a few times. This recent time was real bad, and uh, I just got sick and tired of living my life like that. I found the refuge after I signed myself into detox, and... Uh, I ended up finding God, and I uh, love what the refuge has done for me, and I'm excited to go through it. Uh, it could only get better from here, and uh, that's about all.
this is Doug from Phase Two, coming with the uh, coming at you with today's devotional. Um, this is out of the book Experiencing God, um, and it's called The Truth of Your Circumstance. You cannot know the truth of your circumstance until you have heard from God. In Exodus five and six, Moses did as God instructed and asked Pharaoh to let Israel go. Pharaoh refused and multiplied the hardship for the Israelites. Then the people turned to Moses and criticized him for causing them so much trouble. What would you have done if you had been in Moses' place? Would you have become angry at Israel and gone back to tending sheep? Would you have become bitter at God and told him to get somebody else to do the job? Would you have concluded, maybe I had misunderstood God's will? Would you have patiently gone back to God and ask him to give you his perspective on this difficult circumstance. Moses' story really encourages me. The first three responses are more like the ways we usually respond. If you haven't read Exodus 5 and 6, you may have the idea from what I've said that Moses picked the last response, uh, that he would patiently have gone back to God and asked him to give him a different perspective on the, diff- on the difficult circumstance. <clears throat> but the reality is, is that he didn't. He blamed God and accused him of failing to do what he had promised. Moses said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Moses was so discouraged, he was ready to quit. I'm glad God is patient with us. He took time to reveal his perspective to Moses. God explained he wanted Pharaoh to resist so the people could see God's mighty hand of deliverance. He wanted the people to know him by experience as the great I am. Learn from Moses' example. When you face confusing circumstances, don't blame God and don't give up following him. Go to God. Ask him to reveal the truth of your circumstances. Ask him to show you his perspective. Then wait on the Lord. Radically orient your life to God. The most difficult thing you will ever have to do is deny self, take up God's will, and follow him. The most challenging part of your relationship with God is being God-centered. If you recorded a day in your life, you might find that your prayers, your attitudes, your thoughts, and your actions are intensely self-centered. You may not see things from God's perspective. Rather, you may try to explain to God what your perspective is. When he becomes the Lord of your life, he alone has the right to be the focus of your life, the initiator in your life, the director of your life. That is what means for him to be the Lord. Hearing from truth. When the Holy Spirit talks to you, he reveals truth. He communicates with you about a person, about Jesus. Truth is a person. John 14:6. I am the truth. The disciples were in a boat during a storm while Jesus slept at the back. If you had gone to those disciples in the middle of the tempest and asked them, what is the truth of this situation? What would they have said? We perish. 
Was that the truth? No. The truth was asleep at the back of the boat. Truth is a person. In a moment, truth himself would stand up and calm the storm. Then they knew the truth of their circumstance. Truth is a person who is always present in your life. You cannot know the truth of your circumstance until you have heard from God. He is the truth. Truth is present and active in your life. Luke 7, 11 through 17. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A, a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. If you had asked the widow in her only son's funeral procession, what's the, what's the truth of this situation? She might have replied, My husband died several years ago. I had one son, and I anticipated that we would spend wonderful days together. He would care for me, and we would have fellowship together. Now my son is dead, and I must live the rest of my life without anyone to care for me. Was that the truth? No. Truth was standing in front of her. When Truth reached out, touched her son, and restored him, everything changed. You never know the truth of any situation until you have heard from Jesus. When Jesus revealed himself in this circumstance, the people were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Never determine the truth of a situation only by looking at the circumstances. Don't evaluate your situation until you have heard from Jesus. He is truth. Climb out of this boat and then Under the crashing waves To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand But the waves are calling out my name And they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times I tried before and failed the ways they keep on telling me Time and time again Boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth Tells me a different story The voice of 
Listen and believe I will listen and 